Think Again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 54th program on Think Again. This program is presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation that has been dedicated to social change for over 20 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're talking about the historical treatment of refugees and migrants in Australia up to the present. We've already talked about the plight of refugees and asylum seekers in few, a few times uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. As we're in Refugee Week, we thought it's timely to think again more fulsomely and historically about the way in which this country deals and has dealt with newcomers. We're thinking especially about those newcomers we now call the other, those who in so many ways don't conform to the norms and expectations of those groups in power in Australia for a range of reasons. Mm, in recent weeks, the local and global Black Lives Matter movement has really highlighted how widespread and deep-seated the othering of people and groups is happening, both in daily life and through our institutions and our systems. Mm. We obviously need to start with Australia's very presence in this geographic area, in the midst of a kaleidoscope of ethnicities, indeed, of mm. others, when comparing them with us, with the surrounding them. One mm -hmm. could truly wonder what we, and I put that in quotes again, are doing out here, a result of imperial, colonial, European expansive aspirations, still referred to as discoveries. Mm -hmm. It became a dumping mm -hmm. ground, this country, for unwanted and surplus individuals and groups <laughs> from the British Isles at the beginning. Yeah, mm, that's right. It's now more often and more appropriately called invasion, thankfully, mm. rather than discovery. Uh, in the same process um, that you've talked about, Jacques, the land was innocently, in inverted commas, innocently said to be terra nullius or nobody's land, which, of course, was the mm. greatest lie. Yeah, the, the enormous act of othering by stealth that still haunts us today. Yeah. So those invasions from about the 1770s and predominantly British, turned Australia's first peoples into refugees, really, chasing them from their own lands, displacing them from their country, and, of course, along with this, from their culture, as this was based on their living relationship with one another and their ancestral lands. Mm. Then the next, the next bit was the gold rush during mm. the mid-19th century, the mid-1800s. Mm -hmm. That saw a group of Chinese diggers and merchants, part of the successive waves of Chinese out-migration and their diaspora, being harshly treated, robbed and often violently chased from their homes and their precarious possessions. So, Jacques, you're talking about chased from their homes in China? No, no, here. 
you know, because they mm-hmm. were part of the uh, they were diggers, part of the gold uh-huh. of the of the, the groups who were working on the gold fields. That's and they were right, pretty yeah. successful at it, and therefore the whites mm-hmm. went after them again. That's right, yeah. Mm. Then during the last third of the 19th century, there were the Kanaks being forcefully mm. brought into work, which I think is called slavery, mm. <laughs> in the sugar cane plantations. There were 60 to 70,000 of them, and their descendants had to wait a really long time before being acknowledged as deserving even some hesitant recognition. Mm. You remember clearly uh, Prime Minister Morrison's recent faux pas, suggesting that Australia never engaged mm. in slavery, and that was pretty telling, I think. Yeah, and ignorance is no excuse for a PM. Mm. No, it becomes uh, arrogance. Mm. So mm. while it's true um, England had officially abolished slavery in 1833, the compensation paid by the British government was... Twenty million pounds then, translating to over five hundred billion Australian dollars into today's money. But that was paid to the former slaveholders, not the slaves. So, mm. in today's money, five hundred billion Australian dollars was paid to slaveholders in compensation for abolishing slavery. Mm. How's that? That's right, because they lost their business. Several mm. of them, of those slaveholders, former slaveholders, then moved to Australia, using that money to acquire land and establish businesses here. As Melbourne University history researcher Georgina Arnett showed in The Age on Wednesday, the 17th of June. Mm. And then came Federation. Settlers in Australia had been regularly reprimanded by the colonial office in London and by philanthropists to improve their treatment of Aboriginal people and other migrants and refugees especially those from other, mostly Asian, colonial Commonwealth countries. So these people were often really badly treated by the Anglo settlers. Mm. Mm. And we should not forget how the Catholic Irish, and less so, but still, the Scots were treated as they tried to settle and establish themselves during the second half of the uh, 19th century, in the Mm -hmm. second half of the 1800s again. So Mm -hmm. one of the main points several states insisted on when federation was debated before 1900 and the constitution was developed was the outrageous white Australia policy. This was legislated Mm -hmm. by the newly formed nation in 1901, and it was precisely to limit non-British migration non-white migration Mm. to Australia. Mm. So uh, in an astonishingly short time, the invaders had asserted exclusive right to be in Australia by right of skin colour, that being white, of course. Mm. Mm. During the Second World War in the 1940s, the numbers of long-term Australian citizens from Italian, German and Japanese heritage were put in concentration camps out of fear that they would be collaborators or spies. Mm. Moving to Mm. the late 1940s, Australia launched a massive immigration program with many people displaced by the war in Western Europe. Many were from England, referred to, as we know, as the Ten Pounders, Mm -hmm. but also from Holland, Germany, later Italy and Greece, or people fleeing Eastern Europe. Gradually, their migration program to extending to more dark-skinned mm. people as That's time right. went on. Yeah, yeah. It looks like it. it looks like that, mm. doesn't it? Mm. 
So this immigration program after World War II was driven by fear of being an isolated and vulnerable white island of Western civilization in the midst of non-white others, especially what was referred to as the yellow peril after the Japanese display of its power during World War II. So this immigration program was also driven by fear of the growing power of communist Russia and later China. And then from the late 40s into the 60s, over 3 million Europeans arrived, which is a lot, 3 million. This included mm. people from the Middle East in the late 50s. Mm -hmm. mm. So just to catch our breath a bit, we'll now have some music, again, very relevant for Refugee Week, which we're in, by Celine Yap and Brendan Bonzac. They are also 3CR producers of Refugee Radio. The song will be Dandelion Roots, which is from their album, Imagining Lives. The sky's shed skin now For a new and shiny That never had cocoons And I hear my freckles are faint And the angels that put them there And my sins now are only flowers Tumbling down from my hair But my dandelion roots are soft Strong. And this morning when you sang for me that song I believed for once I really do belong And I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away Well the path unfolds in measures Like this song that never ends And I stand as a stone in the coast And I sing it out loud again And the wind along is with me It bends me soft and low And it's breath Sifting me apart Their calls in other home Did they build the roads For finding things Or for us to lose ourselves And my dandelion roots are soft and strong this morning when I sing for you this song I believe for once I really do belong If you care for a friend or someone in your family with disability, a medical condition or who is elderly Carer Gateway can help you get free support Carer Gateway has lots of services to help carers There's counselling, financial and peer support and online courses that you can do at your own pace 
They also have respite services to help you look after the person you care for while you take a break. Call Carer Gateway on 1800 422 737 or visit the website carergateway.gov.au. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial. 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about the evolution of government policies toward refugees and migrants in Australia. And not just government policies, obviously, also a lot of popular sentiment and media sentiment and all of that. So the 1970s mm-hmm. and the 1980s, they saw more African, Asian, sorry, Asian refugees and the introduction of a multicultural policy countering the white-bread idea that all migrants should speak English and conform to the dominant Anglo culture. Gradually, it was accepted that migrants could bring their own culture that could enrich us all as a society, mm. particularly so, around the Whitlam time. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, mm. I was going to say, Jacques, that was mm. really from mm. the 1970s with That's Prime Minister correct. Gough Whitlam. Yeah. Mm. Particularly after also all the things around the, nine, the late 60s and all of that. So the mm-hmm. policy then moved uh, gradually from a process of a, or a, a expected process of assimilation mm-hmm via integration to selective acceptance of cultural difference. But each step was resisted by often ugly public debates of latent to very open racist and discriminatory discriminatory pronouncements. Yeah. Well, so the world events affecting the makeup of immigration were quite varied. There was a lot going on in the world that led to a lot of uh, migration and refugees. So these events included the end of the Vietnam War and the fall of Saigon, the attack on East Timor by Indonesian troops and Mm -hmm. Timor's incorporation into that state, dictatorships and political turmoil in South America, for example, in Argentina, Chile and Uruguay. There was civil war in Lebanon. There were wars in the Balkans and Europe and the Tiananmen Square massacre by the Chinese government. So a lot of people fleeing these conflicts presented Mm. as refugees, of course. Mm. Yes, particularly now also over the last 20, 30 years, lots of African people coming from a variety Mm -hmm. of African nations. It also marked a time when Australia had often been the first to agree and implement many of the United Nations human rights policies and agreements. Mm, That's right. We cared about human rights then. Mm. Um, Prime Minister Bob Hawke offered asylum to over 20,000 Chinese students Mm -hmm. studying in Australia. This was partly Mm -hmm. in the spirit of human rights Mm -hmm. and partly to send a message about the evils of what remained of communism in China following the Mm -hmm. Tiananmen Square massacre. So it's interesting to look at his speech around the time when he did open up the doors to these Chinese people. Mm. In his speech in June 1989, he said, in part, we were inspired by the idealism and courage of youths, the peaceful determination of students to create a better future and the support that rallied around their cause from throughout Chinese society, dot, dot, dot. Then last weekend... Our optimism was shattered as we watched in horror the unyielding forces of repression brutally killing the vision of youth. Unarmed young men and women were sprayed with bullets and crushed by tanks. 
innocent people were shot and beaten in the streets and in their homes. And that was no doubt heartfelt, a heartfelt speech. Mm. After, after 93, then, Paul Keating transferred the humanitarian visas to the Chinese students previously granted by Hawke to permanent residency visas. Mm. This recognition of the humanity of people needed, needing asylum and general safety and a chance to thrive seems like a long time mm. ago now. It has become mm. so commonplace to demonize them rather than welcome them. Yeah, demonize asylum seekers, that's mm, right. Exactly. So um, I think paradoxically, in 1992, it was a federal Labor government under PM Paul Keating that introduced the poli policy of mandatory detention of unauthorised arrivals, now referred to as boat people. As well, the temporary visa regime given to refugees and asylum seekers stems from that time and really mm. explains a lot of people still living in our community destitute and without rights to Centrelink and medical mm -hmm. treatment, etc. Exactly. John Howard, coalition PM from 96 to 2007, then really accelerated the race to the bottom on Australian refugee and asylum seeker policy. Mm. And he was, as he was ramping up, xenophobia and his demonization of asylum seekers arriving by boat. This formed the central plank of his electioneering up to the federal election in 2001, in what meanwhile has become known as the Tampa Affair. A small Indonesian fishing boat overloaded with asylum seekers became stranded in international waters about 140 kilometers north of Christmas Island. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, I think um, mm. they were rescued by the Norwegian yeah, container ship, right. the Tampa, uh, the mm. MV Tampa. But the Australian government refused their request to land any asylum seekers on Christmas Island. Mm. So the standoff lasted for days. Prime Minister John Howard said, I believe it is in Australia's national interest that we draw a line on what is increasingly becoming an uncontrollable number of illegal arrivals in this country. Mm. Kaboom. <laughs> the asylum seekers were then taken to the island of Nauru, leading to what then was referred to as the Pacific Solution, leaving asylum seekers without automatic right to apply for asylum, and getting refugee status when arriving on islands like mm. Christmas Island, as these islands were now excised from Australia's migration mm. zone. Just for this purpose, they were no longer part of Australia. That's correct. <laughs> Otherwise, they were. Mm. Mm. So James Rose in the conversation reflects on this time really succinctly. So it's worth uh, reading it in full, I think, mm. or quoting mm. him in full. So, quote, as the 2001 election campaign rolled on and the asylum seeker issue morphed politically into one of border security, no asylum seeker voices were heard in mainstream news media. No real engagement between the usually generous Australian people and asylum seekers was allowed. One of the most significant blows in this strategic layout was Howard's election launch speech. In a rare show of emotion, he railed, we will decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. The use of the royal we in a context of dehumanised asylum seekers was a political masterstroke. It set the battle lines to us 
versus them. We became not the government, but us, all of us, and therefore not them. It was border security in words. The subsequent use of terms like illegals, Q-jumpers, economic migrants and boat people underscores the characterisation, mm. unquote. That was James Rose. Yeah. And during that same period, we also had the children overboard affair. Federal ministers accused asylum seekers of throwing their children overboard to see them then saved by Australian patrol boats, which was subsequently totally confirmed as an untrue bit of mm. news, wild or fake news as we now call it. Whilst mm. the ministers escaped recriminations, it is really reminiscent of the dehumanizing discourses of the past when barbaric and uncivilized people, quote, unquote, <laughs> were said to eat children or drink their blood. Mm. So let us now turn to some promo. Hey, this is Jacob from Friday Ray, and I'm here to ask you to please dig deep through CR's June Station Appeal. I know times are tough, that's why I'm asking you, those of you who are still a bit cashed up, to dig deeper than ever, because many of our regular supporters can't right now, and you need to take up the slack. You know you have to, you know you want to, you know you should, so just do it. Go to 3cr.org.au and click on the big red word right near the top of the page. It says donate and help keep Radical Radio live on air. You're now listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial. 3CR Digital and Streaming Life at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about policies and treatment of refugees over time in Australia. Mm -hmm. So to continue our, our discussion, after Prime Minister John Howard's demonisation and cruel treatment of asylum seekers from 96 to 2007, the race to the bottom continued. Yes, the number of boats and of asylum seekers arriving becoming a litmus test of government's capability to stop the flood. Stop the flood. Mm. Yeah, that was, those were the words I still remember them vividly. Kevin Rudd, Labour PM from 2007 to 2010, initially put in place a more humane policy, enabling those having the UN refugee status to seek asylum. To do this on Australian soil, even if arriving by sea, and Australia being the initial country in which asylum was sought, which was not really allowed according to the international mm -hmm. regulation of asylum. But with the race card incessantly play, played to Labour's electoral disadvantage, it also brought in more draconian immigration policies under Gillard and Rudd Labour governments between 2010 and 2013. Mm, yeah, with Coalition PM Tony Abbott from 2013, 2013 to 2015, and with Scott Morrison as his immigration minister at the time, who is, of course, our current prime minister, mm. they brought in a determined, radical and brutal border policy. The slogan, Stop the Boats, became one of their many three-word marketing tools for mm, their right. electoral advantage, of course. Mm, that's right. I still remember them. Ta, ta, ta. 
It's just unbelievable. From September 2013, the onshore protection program for people seeking asylum excluded people arriving in Australia by boat and without a valid visa. We meanwhile know, of course, that many more people intending to seek asylum arrive by plane and mm-hmm. are rarely mentioned in, dis- in the discussions. We're all too aware that many still languish in offshore detention, that they die of preventable diseases, or probably not detention anymore in the technical sense. Of the not word. detention centres, but in That's detention correct. on islands. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes, but they die of preventable diseases and mental crisis. They are studiously not being mentioned again. Indeed, subsequent coalition prime ministers, Turnbull and Morrison, they have brought little joy. They still pretend that the cruelty they inflict is okay, as they declare it a deterrent to, policy, to people smugglers and to people drowning at sea, which is really mm. a for humanitarian zeal expression. Yeah. And as mentioned just before, they keep silent about those still in detention or withering away out of despair of a sense of futility and in the face of Borders Protection Minister Dutton, often outrageous statements mm. about even more drastic measures. Mm. Anyway, we are coming to the end of our program too quickly. Uh, so we thought we'd give our last words to refugee and author Beruz Buchani. In The Guardian, August 2018, he wrote an article, and in that he said that both major political parties in Australia are in competition to see who will be successful in totally destroying us. He said, Australia needs a serious wake-up call. Australia needs to instill humanitarian principles within its centres of power. Australia needs to think very seriously about the value of life and what constitutes a democratic and humane society. More than anything else, Australia needs a new ethical vision and love. Australia needs a moral revolution to escape this dead end. Mm, And which is now truer than ever. Mm. Particularly, Mm -hmm. just a minute, uh, Jen, tomorrow is uh, World Refugee Day and when people want to participate in a way, Refugee Advocacy Network uh, will offer a uh, sort of a program tomorrow from one to two and so we can join it by Zoom. Great. Mm -hmm. And there have also been a lot of activities that people can join in to support Mm -hmm. refugees on the Refugee Week website. And, mm-hmm. and of course, um, Jacques, did you want to pitch for a donation to 3CR? Yes, of course. <laughs> we probably need to Please. continue to remind people, as the previous promo said, donate via website or ring 3CR to find out other ways you can donate. 94198377. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with Jacques Boulet and Jennifer Borrell. Remember, if you do want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email Borderlands at borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. Our programs are available by podcast and the 3CR, on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. We would also like to thank Leanne again for pulling this program together from the 3CR studio while Jennifer and I connected remotely. Mm. 
Meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. To bring us into this program, we have World Turning by Yothu Yindi.